The relation of the human to the divine. The relation of the human to the divine and the destiny of each is presented clearly by Daniel. Israel was then in captivity in Babylon as a penalty for the sins of Hezekiah for too great affiliation with the messengers of Nebuchadnezzar in showing them all the treasures of the king's house. The sons of the blood royal and the princes of the house of Israel were servants in the king's palace, placed there to be taught the language and learning of Babylon, that they might teach these to their brethren, that Israel might be led to forget God. The promises of God seem about to fail. His government seems at an end. His people are helpless slaves in a foreign land. The prospect is gloomy. The night is dark. Often, when to human sight the prospects of the success of God's people and His cause seem darkest, then to the trust of faith come the clearest revelations, giving the strongest assurance of the fulfillment of all God's promises. So it was at this time. Nebuchadnezzar, the great king, saw the vision that proclaimed his downfall and the downfall of all human governments. Daniel, the slave, interpreted the vision for the king, and it was also for the strengthening of the faith of God's people. The image was that of a man, indicating the human origin of the governments typified by the image, in contrast with the divine origin of the kingdom typified by the little stone cut out of the mountain without hands. Daniel interprets: the head of gold represents the kingdom of Babylon, of which Nebuchadnezzar was head. The silver, the Medo-Persian; the brass, the Grecian; the iron, the Roman. The little stone cut out of the mountain without hands represents the kingdom of God. It is not originated, shaped, or put into motion or maintained by human power. It is God's government. The lesson taught is that the human governments must one and all be destroyed, and in their destruction, one after another, each became the prey of, or was left with all its strength, its riches, and its glories to the destroyer. It became the heritage of those who overthrew it. The last kingdom, having received the riches, power, and strength of all those preceding it, the little horn cut out of the mountain without hands. Smote the iron, but broke in pieces the brass, the silver, and the gold, because the strength and power of all were transmitted to and consecrated in this last one. In taking these kingdoms that attained to universal dominion, these mighty kingdoms that seemed to have destroyed all opposition and to have left no power that could possibly come against them or destroy them, but had combined and concentrated all the power of all the earthly human kingdoms in themselves to show that they must be destroyed, must be left to other people. The God of heaven certainly taught what must be the destiny of all human governments and all institutions of man's make. One common destruction awaits them all. They became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Daniel two verse thirty-five. In contrast, we read in verse forty-four, "In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand for ever." Many prophecies, types, and illustrations in this prophecy of Daniel teach that this kingdom of God shall be for a time weak, feeble, and unpromising. It shall be prevailed against, overrun. Brought to the verge of ruin, to the jaws of death, to the very gates of hell itself, 
yet it shall never be destroyed. God gives evidence clear and unmistakable of his will and power to overthrow all these mighty kingdoms of earth, even by the weakest of his children when faithful. The mighty kingdom of Babylon is arrayed against its own slaves, but who are the servants of God. The result of the conflict is told by Nebuchadnezzar. I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand, or say unto him, What doest thou? Daniel 4, verses 34 and 35. In the overthrow of Babylon, Daniel and his fellows as slaves passed to the conqueror. The Medo-Persian Empire came in contact with the divine government in the persons of these slaves. God joined issue with each government at the point at which it claimed the greatest strength. The result of the conflict with the Medo-Persian is told by Darius the king in Daniel 6, verse 26. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. God, in the darkest hour of his kingdom, when represented only by the slaves in bondage, showed to these kings that had subdued the whole earth, and through them to all nations and peoples for all time, that these human kingdoms must all be destroyed, must come to naught, that the mission of his kingdom is to break in pieces and destroy all these kings and kingdoms of human origin, but that the kingdom that he sets up shall never be destroyed. His kingdom shall not only break in pieces these kingdoms, but it shall consume them, the last vestige of them. The judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heavens shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all kingdoms shall serve and obey him. Here, hitherto, or this, is the end of the matter. Daniel 7, verse 27. That is, the end of all the conflicts and strifes of earth will be the complete and final destruction, the utter consuming of the last vestige of human governments and institutions, and the giving of the dominion and power and authority of the whole earth to the people of the saints of the Most High. Then and only then will peace and quiet prevail on earth, and union, harmony, and goodwill reign among men. God and his people are not to conquer and possess the kingdoms as one human kingdom overthrows and possesses another, that is, to displace the rulers and officers appointed by the human and to rule in and through their organizations. That would be to acknowledge man's institutions preferable to his own. All these kingdoms are to be broken in pieces and consumed. They are to be destroyed and supplanted by the kingdom which the God of heaven shall set up. They are to become as the dust of the summer's threshing floor that is driven before the wind. No place is to be found for them. But the little stone cut out of the mountain without hands is to become a great mountain and fill the whole earth. 
The mission of the kingdom of God is to break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, take their place, fill the whole earth, and stand forever. How could the individual citizens of the kingdom of God found, enter into, and become part and parcel of, uphold, support, and defend that which God's kingdom was especially commissioned to destroy? We find then, beyond a doubt, that the commission given by God to the Jews to destroy the kingdoms of Canaan, to make no affinity, alliance, or confederation with them, is, through Daniel, extended to the everlasting kingdom of God, and its commission so widened and enlarged as to break in pieces and consume all the kingdoms of the earth. God hath a controversy with the nations of the earth. A noise shall come even to the end of the earth. For the Lord hath a controversy with the nations, he will plead with all flesh. As for the wicked, he will give them to the sword, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great tempest shall be raised up from the uttermost parts of the earth. And the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth even unto the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried." They shall be dung upon the face of the ground. Jeremiah 25, verses 31 to 33. The conflict between the human and the divine is irrepressible, eternal, and must continue until the complete and final destruction of the one and the universal and final triumph of the other. Wicked men and nations are God's servants and ordinances. We have found that God ordained institutions of evil when his people desired those that he did not approve as good for his people to punish them, for forsaking the institutions he ordained through which he chose to govern them and through which he proposed to bring good to them. These institutions, as in the case of the kingdoms ordained in Israel, not only punished them, but often became the means of their deeper corruption and wider departure from his service. This is in accord with the principle announced in Isaiah 66, verses 3 and 4. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. I also will choose their delusions and bring their fears upon them, because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did that which was evil in mine eyes, and chose that wherein I delighted not." or Proverbs chapter 1, verses 29, 30, and 31. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. In other words, God ordains that men shall have the institutions that they choose in preference to His appointments, and that they shall reap the results of their choosing. The result always is punishment, and if the evil course is persisted in, their final destruction. But these institutions ordained to punish the sins and iniquities of His children were God's ordinances for this purpose, and they were good for the end for which they were established, the punishment of rebellion. They were not necessarily good for his children, nor were they, because ordinances of God, necessarily legitimate institutions for the affiliation and fellowship of God's children. 
because the institutions that were especially ordained for punishing the rebellious are the institutions his subjects were forbidden to use, rely upon, or make alliance with or participate in. Then God's children were not permitted to affiliate with or participate in, use or rely upon all the ordinances of God.